Wizards After Dark is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks real prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The Wizards, for example, on Sunday have the Clippers coming up, and if you want the best tickets for that at the best prices, you can check out GameTime. And it's not just sports tickets. It's not just NBA tickets. You can go and you can get tickets for shows, for concerts. Bruce Springsteen's coming to town and you want to get the best tickets? Check out Game Time. Taylor Swift's coming? Check out Game Time. With Game Time, you can buy your tickets in just two easy taps. The Game Time app is simple, it's quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store and score last minute deals on tickets for up to 60% off. A dual episode today. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I'm here with the host of Locked On Sixers, Keith Pompey. And uh, we are we're going to talk about whatever the hell happened <laughs> in this game where uh, the Wizards beat the Sixers, one nineteen, one thirteen. Davis Bertans couldn't miss shots for a while, no matter what. Joel Embiid had. 26 and 21, but it was a really sloppy 26 and 21. Where 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 are we starting here? You know, it is weird. Um you know, I, I look at this two different ways. I look at it as, you know, the Wizards had a great win for them. You know, the Wizards came in here three game losing streak. They won, excuse me, they lost five of the last six. You know, the young guys played well. But then you look at the 76ers and you say, did the Sixers get exposed again? You know, I mean, when you look at it, you know, they had 21 turnovers and their two all-stars committed 15 of them. That's bad. You know, you, you, you look at the bench, the bench struggled in the first half, right? Tobias Harris looked like the $180 million man, but outside of him, you didn't get anything. And for a team that's picked to come out of the East, they come and they play a Washington team that's struggling and you lose. And not only that, this is their 10th consecutive loss here. So I think it's a good win for Washington, but if you're walking away from this game, you're scratching your head at the Sixers. You, you know why I think they got exposed? Mm -hmm. It's not that Embiid and Simmons turned it over 15 times. It's the way they turned it over. Yeah, yeah. Like, the Wizards could not have respected the Sixers shooting less. Mm -hmm. They were just doubling with the nearest guy on Embiid as aggressively as you possibly can. And mm -hmm. it wasn't like when Embiid makes a move. It was mm -hmm. just when he touches the ball, we're mm -hmm. coming for you. And it was kind of a similar thing with Simmons. And I know Scott Brooks thinks that Embiid is ridiculously good. Mm -hmm. And I know he thinks that Ben Simmons is ridiculously good. He makes that clear every time he talks about those guys, no matter the context. But his actions show that he doesn't really trust the shooting on the rest of the mm -hmm. roster. And to me, the big thing with Horford as a fit has always been Horford's a good shooter. But what we've seen in playoff series with him 
like what we saw during the Milwaukee-Boston series last year mm-hmm. was Milwaukee was betting not that he wasn't going to make a high percentage of his threes. It was just that no matter how you guard him, he's really not going to take that many of them. That like he's not capable of, you know, Davis Bertans got really hot tonight and he took 13 threes. And Bertans is a different kind of player than Horford, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you're betting Horford's never, no matter how hot he gets, no matter how, how open he is, it's just not in his personality to take 13 threes. And you can help off of a guy if you believe that to be true, even if he's a good shooter. And you can help off of Simmons. And Tobias Harris is a very good player, but you can help off Tobias Harris. And that's what the Wizards did tonight. And it made Embiid. Embiid is just more talented than everybody on the Wizards, so he can get his numbers. But he looked uncomfortable at times, even though, like, he's so much better than Mo Wagner. But Mo Wagner is annoying as, as hell. He's unbelievably annoying. And guys were coming over and being feisty and physical with him. And there were moments tonight where he looked uncomfortable, and that's where you get the turnovers. I mean, you're exactly right. And, and I mean, that's where you get the turnovers. And the thing about Al Horford, you know, on a night like tonight or last night, you know, Al Horford is a guy, like you said, you know he's not going to get a lot of shots. I mean, he shot four for eight. He was three for five on threes. You know, to me... That's a guy that, you know, you want him taking more shots. And here's something that, that also I look at that's a little, I'm not going to say alarming, but you look at um, Howell Neto. He's a guy who shot four for five. He went three for four. He had 11 points. He was hot in the first half. Like, in the first half, it was like he was one of their top guys. And he only played 12 minutes. Now, to me, when you have people struggling, people turning the ball over, there's no one respecting anyone else on the floor like you alluded to. You got to go with this guy. I mean, you know, you got to say, look, buddy, you know, we believe in you. You're playing well. You know, you got to he had to play more minutes, in my opinion, looking at that box score. So. You know, it, it, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, it, it, it to me, like you said, they got exposed. Scott Brooks knew what he was doing. He challenged the Sixers, other guys to beat him. But one of the guys who could help beat him only played 12 minutes. I mean, to me, <laughs> that's bad. To me, that's bad. So you know what I'm thinking when I'm watching Bertans go off tonight? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, all right. He's doing this in front of the Sixers. How much are the Sixers willing to give up for that guy in February? <laughs> because they've got draft picks. They've still got mm-hmm. a ton of second-round picks. Mm-hmm. And Berton's a free agent. You get his bird rights. I don't know if the Wizards are going to trade him or not, but he's a free agent upcoming this year, and there's that Spurs adage, you don't want to pay Jonathan Simmons. You want to find the next Jonathan Simmons. And... Bertans is having a hell of a year. I mean, he's making almost four threes a game now. Hmm. He's on pace to make 300 threes. Wow. He's on pace to become the third player in NBA history to make 295 threes. Mm-hmm. The other two are Stephen Curry and James Harden. Curry, Harden, Bertans apparently. Which is, it's unbelievable how well he is shooting this year. He's shooting like 45% from three on like nine attempts a game. It's an unbelievable season. He's a four who moves unbelievably off the ball. I think he fits with 
any contender, and there are more teams that believe themselves to be contenders this year, feel like maybe they're one piece away. I feel like there's going to be a, with an upcoming free agent market that's that's pretty dry. I feel like there's going to be a big market for him. Now, maybe the Wizards want to resign him. He's a really good role player. He's an excellent role player. But, like, he would look great in Philly. Mm-hmm. He'd be great on the Lakers, though I don't know what the Lakers could give mm-hmm. up for him because they traded everything for Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. He could be great in Miami. He'd be great in Toronto. But, like, Philly, we talk about you're not going to help off Davis Bertans. I don't, I don't care. You know, maybe Embiid has a terrible mismatch on him. But you're not going to help off Davis Bertans. Like, that, that gives that team an extra shooter. I wonder, like, do you think they end up in the market – if not Berton's a, a guy like that yeah, they have to. I mean it may not be a, a, a power forward but yeah they have to bring in somebody off the bench who's going to be able to get shots I mean that's the one thing that they don't have I mean you have a guy like Trey Burke who who can get his own shot but for what but the coach just doesn't play him a lot so I mean to me they'll have to go get someone else now my thing is, if I'm the Wizards, and this guy fits in well, and I know what the Wizards are going through this year, I don't know. He looks like somebody that can help me <laughs> in the future. Oh, he can help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no question yeah, he can no, help. Yeah. If this is the player he is, yeah. if he's 14 points a game, and he's going to shoot four for nine from three every night, like that's what he's shooting on average. If he's just going to shoot four for nine from three – and he's going to give you 14. And he's not a bad defender. He's pretty mobile. He's pretty good guarding screens for a guy who's 6'10". He's not a good rebounder, but he can play the three. He can play the four. If that's the player he is, he can help you. I just – I need to ask around. Oh, they would I, take him. I, I, I mean, I just need to ask around in terms of how much he's going to make. Yeah, Because the there are teams with cap space this summer. There are not a lot of players who aren't giving a ton of that cap space to so to me, this feels like it's going to be, I mean, how many times in the history of the NBA have we seen the owners say, all right, I've got money to spend, but I'm just going to hold on to it and use it next year. Like to me, this feels like it's not necessarily going to be 2016 all over again because mm-hmm. that was insane. But, but it seems to me like this upcoming summer is going to be the summer of regrettable contracts. And Bertans is an excellent role player. But if it's going to cost you, it's one thing when he's on his contract now. It's another thing if you've got to pay him 52 for, I'm just making up a number. It's another thing if you've got to pay him 52 yeah. over four years. Now all of a sudden you're taking up cap space in a, in a rebuilding team. Presumably this team isn't going to be that much further along next year than it is this year. And he to me is a guy... He's the typical guy who's insanely valuable on a really good team and not as valuable on a bad one. Not that he's old. He's 26, 27. But he's so much more valuable. Role players like him are so much more valuable on really good teams. So if he's the missing piece, oh, yeah, pay him if you feel like he's that. But if he's just another piece, I don't think he's as valuable. You know? Mm -hmm. Am I expressing that well? No, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. And and see – the thing with it is, if you are the Sixers and you want to go after him, yeah, you would want to trade him because, you know, they're they're going to, you know, with luxury tax and everything like that, it, and and as far as like 
not really just a luxury tax, but as far as, let's just say, you know, you want to get them, but you probably won't be able to afford them because somebody else is going to throw some money at them. Now, first of all, if I'm the Sixers, I'm not going to give them $52 million. I'm sorry. I mean, I know the guy was not. I just said a number. I know, yeah. I'm just, but I'm also saying that I'm not doing that if I'm them. But at the same time, for a nice price, you know, I think that, you know, I would be willing to do that. Especially after last year where you said, you know, you gave it to Tobias Harris $180 million. Now, he's playing well, but you gave it to him and, you know, with the, because you knew that you needed to have him. You're looking at this type of guy. He's a guy that they kind of need to have, especially for right now. If I'm Brett Brown, I'm saying, look, y'all, we'll, you, you get rid of some of those second-round picks. You know, get rid of uh, – let, let's make a player. What we can do is we can give a player with an expiring contract or maybe we can give up one of our young our young guys. You know, maybe they can think they can uh, – Wizards think they can build with them. But if I'm Brett, knowing how this team, the Sixers just lost to the Wizards, how the Sixers lost seven of their last nine road games. And this might have been their worst loss, but they lost to some bad teams too, right, other than that. So if I'm Brett Brown and you see what this guy has, I really would like to have him on the roster from the coach right now, and then we got to see what we're going to do moving forward. Now, even if you can't resign him, dude, the Sixers – if the Sixers don't make it to the NBA Finals or at least the Eastern Conference Finals, this season is a failure. And on the you have to win on the road unless you get home court advantage, you know, in these games, in the playoff games. And what I saw right now is a team that's going to struggle on the road. That's what I saw. Why are they struggling so much on the road? Um, what is it? Like it's not like, I mean they're they're still relatively young, but they're not inexperienced. They've gone through stuff. This is year three of them being good. Well, they get a lot of energy at home. A lot. I think on the road it's just away from home. I mean it's hard. It's like MB couldn't even explain it. Brett Brown couldn't explain it. It's hard. It's hard to explain. But you know they get away. They get in a different routine. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, they're just not good in a way. I mean, the crowd gets hyped up. Like, I think they get a lot of energy from the, the, their home crowd, a lot. And when you go on the road, you don't have that. Not only that, it's like they have so many new players. So it's kind of like, you know, you're on the road, you got to, like, a lot of times you're not going to hear stuff. You got to know what the other person's thinking at certain times. They don't know what each other's thinking. You know what I mean? They just don't. Um, and, and and this isn't new. Like, they would struggle on the road last year. Like, they last year they went to Atlanta and lost. You know, and, and they went to uh, Orlando, I mean, and lost. You know, it, it was just, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. I, I know this is the new NBA where a lot of teams don't practice a lot with load management and all this other stuff. And, you know, it's hard when, A, you have a bunch of new players. I think they have three guys on the team who was 
they had four guys. Well, they had three guys at night because the other ones were in the G League. But they had three guys who were basically four because four, one was a two-way. But four who were on the team at the start of last year. Four. Three of them played. So you got all these new faces coming in and no practice. And, you know, at home you can ride off the energy. The crowd gets quiet when you have the ball. You know what I mean? You can say stuff. I just think that it's just too many new pieces and everything isn't just working out well for them if I explain it the right way. <laughs> Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? The ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace and Kith. Looking to add the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation? Or maybe you're feeling nostalgic for a pair of Air Max 95s. You can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes even for prices lower than retail. StockX ensures authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. StockX has removed all the risk from buying and selling online. Now you can get the hottest, hardest to find sneakers without having to deal with a random buyer or seller again. If you want in on the hype, you can check out StockX.com slash bball. Again, that's StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. Again, that's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. What do you think of Rui? Oh, he's nice. Um, in the pre, he's been really good, like four straight games now. Oh man! In the preseason, you know what? It was weird because he he goes to Gonzaga. I have much respect for Gonzaga, um, but I really didn't know too much about him. And you know, you see all the people from Japan. They come over, ladies asking me questions about him. I'm trying to be nice, but I'm like BSing the whole way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so she's asking me questions. And and then they played the Sixers in the preseason, and they had Al Horford on them. And he blew past Al on several plays. And I'm like, okay, this guy is nice. Also notice that he plays hard. Like, you know, he gets a lot of tip-ins. He gets a lot of other stuff. Like, he always plays mm-hmm. hard. And that really impressed me. So I'm looking at him now, and I'm like, they have something special here. This guy is going to be good. I mean, he's already good, but, you know, it's one of those things that this, at first I was questioning the draft pick, is that the right guy for him? But now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay. You know, they knew that that was a great move by the, by the Wizards front office. I, I really like him. I really like him. You know, you know what's a really interesting evolution? And I've, like, spent so much time on, on this podcast talking about incremental improvement from him, and our stuff's not going to be linear, but you just got to kind of look at, like, a month in, two and then two months in, did he improve on the thing that he needed to improve in a month ago? You know, and you need to look for subtle signs because it's not always there. But so after they played the Clippers on Sunday, and I talked about it in my podcast after that game, I said, you know, in that game and when they played the Lakers, the game before that, he had moments where he's going right at the rim and he's finishing strong, and the first. 15 games or so, 12 games, whatever it is, he was 
really mid-range reliant, and he's mm-hmm. still mid-range reliant. More than I think the Wizards would want him to be when he gets to his peak, which is still obviously very far away. Mm-hmm. But he's going right at the rim, and he's finishing strong, and not with layups. He's trying to dunk stuff. Maybe sometimes he's even in ill-advised moments trying to dunk it when he doesn't need to. But he knows he's got to finish strong. Scott Brooks had a conversation with him after a few games saying, like, you can't lay stuff in. You're not going up against West Coast Conference players anymore. you got to dunk, and that's what you have to do. So he starts trying to do that. He starts finishing stronger. He has a couple moments where he gets to the free throw line, which is something he still struggles with. He's not getting to the line. But he has a couple moments where he gets to the line where I think early in the year he's not going to do that. And I'm thinking, okay, now is the point of the season where Rui is, has realized he's got to go at the rim more in order to be as efficient of a player as he can be. He's got to be a really good finisher at the rim. He's got to get to the free throw line. That's a great realization. And I'm expecting, because this is kind of how rookies think, they because the game is so fast, they just kind of have to learn, okay, I was mid-range. You know what? Now I'm going to be going to the rim all the time for a while. I'm going to get comfortable doing that. And then you kind of learn when to do it, when not to do it, and you expand out. It's like anything else, you know? Tonight, Embiid sagged off of him because Embiid sags off everybody because his strength is defending around the rim. And Embiid sags off of him, and he just said, okay. And he was just taking 18-footers. And he, I thought he was going to be trying to challenge Embiid. Which might not have gone great. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. And I don't know if it was him being given his comfort zone, so he just took the comfort zone and didn't think about it. Or if it was him saying, if it was a more sophisticated thought of, I'm just, I would still like to go at the rim, but they're not giving it to me. So I'm just going to take what's there. I thought, I think it's very clear. He's talked about how his, his spacing was tough for him. And now he's more comfortable with NBA spacing and kind of how to make decisions on the floor. And I think the way that his feel is getting better. And that was the thing he was knocked for. And the fact that he started playing the game really late. And and the fact that he was just kind of, it's a cliche, but I think it really applied to him tonight. He was just kind of taking what the defense gave him. Mm-hmm. I think it's super encouraging. I mean, he was, what was he tonight? 27 and 7 mm-hmm. on 11 for 18, 4 for 4 from the line. This is four straight games where he's been really good. I, I he's he's very intriguing. He's very yeah. talented. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I mean, I really do. I, I think he's going to be. I mean, he's great. I mean, you know, when when you get uh, John Wall back, you already have Bradley, um, and you have Rui. I mean, his scoring will probably go down a little bit when John comes back. But I really like him. I mean, I, I think that he's a player. I think, you know, in, in the past, they always seemed like they always tried to get a guy who can go with those two. And then, you know, he looked good for a year. And then the second year, the guy kind of, like, fizzed out a little bit. Um, but I think that this guy is special. And the, the thing is, like, you know, he started playing basketball late, like you said. And he has huge upside. I mean, he could mess around in a couple of years be the best player on the team. I mean, he could. I mean, just because he's so young and he's still learning things. And I'm telling you, the way his energy, the way he is with his energy right now is, it, 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 to me, it speaks volumes. I mean, he had Al Horford looking old in that preseason game. Now, again, Al is 33. He's a younger guy. But it was to a point where you're like, oh, Al can't guard this guy. 
You know, it's, it, it's going to get ugly. You know, it's really going to get ugly. And, um, you know, he's one, also a guy that I keep in contact. After, after that, you know, I try to check out the box scores. You know, sometimes I'll, I, you know, I'll get on my phone and I may watch a couple Wizards games. Um, but um, it, he, he's someone that's going to be special. I mean, he is. He, he, he should be a first-team all-rookie. All I mean, he should be. I mean, I'm expecting him to play in that the rookie challenge, whatever they call the game now. I mean, I think that he's special. He's, you know, a lot of the guys that the Sixers had as rookies when they came in, and we're talking about like a Nerlens Noel, a Jalo Okafor, you know, uh, Michael Carter Williams, um, you know, even like Joel, Ben Simmons, Markel Folks. You know, he's better than most of them. I mean. And he didn't come in with the hype that they did. You know, a lot of them were lottery picks, um, you know, top three, four picks. And he, to me, is better than most of them. And to your point, tonight, Horford guarded Wagner. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of that was Wagner hangs around the three-point line and Embiid isn't, it's not going to be as punishing if Embiid is around the rim and, and he's guarding Archimera as opposed to Wagner. But, you know, he, he maybe they looked at him. what happened there, too. Yeah, he can't guard him. I mean, it's a bad matchup for him. It, it really is. I mean, you know, you look at Al Horford, and he's a guy, when he was a center, you know, he was more athletic. He was more mobile than most centers. So now you have him playing a young power forward, a young guy who can, you know, maneuver. That's just a bad matchup for Al. You know, it is now. If it was an old NBA where you know guys would like would post up and and Al, you know, would lean on them and do stuff. Come here, Rook. I'm gonna take you to school. But in in this new NBA, the guy is just too athletic. He's just too athletic for him. Anything else you want to chat about? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, where where do you see um, the Wizards going from here? I think you mean like the rest of the year? Or well, in general? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the rest of the year, yeah, I, I guess we can do that. I mean, can is this something – I mean, they have a tough one. That's what they play Miami tomorrow. Um, today, and then the rather, Clippers. And then the Clippers. Woo! So, but, I mean, do you see – I mean, all right, what are you looking – how do you see this season playing out for them? I mean – you know, right now we know that John's out. You know, Bradley's going to be an all-star again. You have Rui, you know. Um, I mean, what, what, how do you see this season playing out? We know they're not going to make the playoffs, but, you know, what's the focus? What's the goal? I think they're going to be about where they are right now. You know, something we didn't really talk about is this was their best defensive performance since really early in the season. And it is not a coincidence that their best defensive performance since early in the season comes without the two Thomases, Thomas Bryant and Isaiah Thomas. Mm. You look at the numbers with those guys on the floor, and the numbers are, the defensive numbers are really high. I mean, they have like a 122 uh, defensive rating when both those guys are on the floor. And uh, those guys were not on the floor today, and they defended. Isaiah Thomas could be back uh, Friday in Miami. We'll see. I think one thing they really they say they really want to build on is just not be 
the worst defense of all time, which they, they almost are right now, their actions say otherwise. So, because they keep playing Isaiah Thomas. They keep starting Isaiah Thomas, and Thomas Bryant's getting a lot of time. And one thing that I think I'm really going to watch is how are they evaluating the young guys? So Thomas Bryant got paid last summer. He got 25 for three years, mm-hmm. but he's still only 22 years old. Yeah. Same age as Mo Wagner. And I want to see how are they valuing Mo Wagner, who's been excellent this year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and only at five points tonight, but I thought had a pretty good defensive game. Mm-hmm. He's just annoying to play against. Mm-hmm. Rebounded well, fouls too much, but mm-hmm. a lot of young bigs do. How are they evaluating Bryant versus versus Wagner? How are they evaluating Troy Brown and Bonga? Uh, what direction are they going in with the young guys? Because we know what Beal is. Mm-hmm. He's an all-star. He's a lead guard. Uh, and, and you know Wall is going to be back next year if all goes well with his, with his health. So I think what I'm really looking at is just what decisions are they going to make with the young guys and then what cultural and – Role player decisions around them are they going to make to show how they want to build around the young guys? So, like, are they going to keep playing Isaiah Thomas at starting point guard when their defense craters when he's on the floor? Uh, are they going to say, you know what, Ish Smith is when Ish Smith is your defensive defensive option at point guard? What's what's gone wrong? But are they going to say like, you know what, Ish Smith take the majority of the minutes now and we'll see what happens? I mean, there's there's a lot of like weird young position player stuff where it's like, even with Justin Robinson and Chris Chioza, where Justin Robinson got the guarantee, not the guarantee, but the partially guaranteed contract, and Chris Chioza got the two way, and now they're playing Chris Chioza over Justin Robinson. Eventually, if they play Chioza enough, his days are going to expire. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? They obviously like Chioza over Robinson. At least Scott Brooks does. Mm-hmm. He keeps playing Chioza over Robinson every chance he gets. There are these roster questions, which with a new front office, we kind of have to learn how they think. And with each of those roster things, we're going to learn how they think. So that's kind of what more I'm looking for. And, and we can kind of see what kind of identity the organization is going for through those kinds of decisions the rest of the year. And that's my abstract and convoluted mm-hmm. answer mm-hmm. to your basic question. <laughs> you think they'll make the, the Sixers will make the Eastern Conference Finals? Not with this roster. I mean, I, I think they'll have to, uh, I think they'll have to make a trade. They'll have to get a shooter. They also need, well, Tobias Harris is, is establishing himself into the closer. So he has been playing well. But they need help on the bench. They need someone who can come out and help them, right? They need it. Now, again, some people may say Josh Richardson didn't play. I believe he missed his fourth straight game. I get all that. But the thing is, it's like they need some sharp, consistent, sharp shooting off the bench, someone who can help space the floor, someone who can fulfill that role, and they just don't have it. You know, Mike Scott is a pretty a solid shooter. He's been, like, hot and cold lately, more cold than anything. Um, the same thing with James Ennis. You know, he's known as a, a, a defender. They call him a two-way guy. But he's been he's had some games where he's been playing out of this world. You're not going to get that all the time. Like how Neto was four for five tonight, three for four on threes. 
you're not going to get that all the time because every time they, they may play well one night and then they, they struggle the next. You know, they need someone who they can really depend on, someone that's going to do it. And they don't have that person on the – they got a lot of good players, but they don't have a person that you can say night in and night out, we know what you're going to give us. They don't have that. Yeah. Uh, anything to plug for the listeners before we wrap up? Um, I'm just plug – y'all just um, – I want to plug uh, – uh, following both of us on Twitter, I'm Pompey on Sixers. You're just at Fred Katz. At Fred Katz, and then you know, just plug these two podcasts. I mean, you know, we're two guys covering our beat well. And um, if you want to get the the Wizards stuff, follow my man Fred. If you want the Sixers stuff, um, you know, follow me and download both of us on 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 you know on wherever you can. There you go. And uh, just a note for, for everybody from iPod, this is obviously a free episode. Uh, the I will not be back on Friday after the, the Heat game, but I will be back on Sunday with another free episode after the Clippers game. If you want the bonus episode I do once a week, you can log on to The Athletic and you can subscribe for 40% off at theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. And you can get a 40% off on an annual athletic subscription there and you don't just get – Wizards stuff like you get everything on the athletics so you get our Sixers coverage and then our NFL coverage and MLB coverage and everything else that you want over there um all right all right what a pod what a game yeah I I did not expect the Wizards to win this game I did (laughs) we're already pessimistic beat writers 20 games into the season uh I'll be back Sunday you'll be back I'll be back on Saturday. (laughs) Well, there we go. We'll be back then, and uh, we will talk to you guys now.